Welcome back to the Rush Student Ministry Podcast with Preston and Sadie Keller. Yeah, welcome back, everyone. We're so glad that you're here with us. If you're a new listener, if this is the first time you have found or listened to the Rush Student Ministry Podcast, we're so glad that you're here. Welcome to the family. Yes, welcome to the family and welcome to May, which is... Mental Health Awareness Month. It really is, and we have a special two-week takeover for you guys. We actually have Garrett and Allison Robertson with us, um, and they're going to do the main part of this episode and next week's episode. And they're long-term, long-time youth pastors in Barberton, Ohio, and Allison actually has her master's degree in clinical psychology. Yeah, so it's going to be extremely beneficial for you as a youth leader and for any leader. Absolutely. So with two weeks of content, full episodes with Garrett and Allison, uh, they do uh, break down mental health uh, for the leader and kind of that realm. And then, of course, we are um, youth pastors and youth workers. So they also give us a lot of great content and application for dealing with students, teenagers, uh, college age, all of that uh, who deal with mental health issues as well. So it's going to be really good. Yeah, we're excited. So we hope that you enjoy it and that it's a blessing. Absolutely. Let's dive in. Mental Health Awareness Month with Garrett and Allison Robertson. Let's do it. Allison and I are excited to come and talk to you guys today about mental health and student ministry. And a lot of times we are really concerned about the mental health of our students Uh, But not as often are we concerned about our own mental health and the effects that student ministry and the things that we experience uh, in our time in student ministry, how that affects us internally and our own mental health. And I think that one of the greatest things that we probably struggle with is the opportunity for disappointment. Uh, We interact with so many different types of students Uh, situations, and we see a lot of success in a lot of uh, situations, but we also uh, know a lot of failures. And if you don't experience failure, I'm not sure that you're really a a student pastor. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with student ministry is, um, you know, because you're dealing with students, you do see a lot of, you know, growth. You can see, you know, that you get them from you know 12 years old or 13 to you know 23 so in that span of time you get to see a lot of growth which is exciting but you're also dealing with teenagers and teenagers don't always make the best decisions um, they make decisions that you think uh, why in the world would you do that and a lot of times that can be disappointing so as much success as you can see in the span of you know those 10 years that you might have them Um, you also experience a lot of like, I cannot believe that this person did this. And, and I think that definitely can lead to some disappointments. Yeah. One of the, uh, things that I love the most of what Allison can explain, uh, the best from a psychological standpoint is in the period of time where students are developing and their, their minds are developing that the ages of, you know, between, you know, uh, 12 and 20, which is, student ministry, students really have the complete inability to make wise decisions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, they, their mind has not developed in a way where the prefrontal cortex... Yeah. Look at me. You've learned something. (laughs) Their their prefrontal cortex has not developed in a way to where they can 
make wise decisions. And so we have to keep that in our mind that you're dealing with students who literally do not have the ability to make wise decisions. They make their decisions based on what they want to do in that moment, what makes them feel good. And we all know that that is them and their flesh wanting to please their flesh. And it's hard to make wise spiritual decisions in these years of their life. Well, and and I think that's why student ministry is first off so important because uh, we do kind of play a role of like the prefrontal cortex of our students. Um, And again, you know, this isn't necessarily the topic of what we're going to be going into today, but I I do think it's important, you know, they're working in the amygdala, right? They're the pleasure-seeking part. And that's important to understand because uh, they are going to make risk. Uh, they're going to take more risks as a 13-year-old than as a 23-year-old or sure. a 33-year-old. Um, they're going to make those decisions and um, being really cognizant as a student leader to not uh take all the pressure on yourselves and understand that uh, you can only do so much and we do everything that we possibly can, but we're still dealing with, you know, human beings who are developing, who are learning. And um, again, going back to the mental health of a student worker, making sure that, that we do not take on all the pressure of when a student, you know, maybe makes a poor decision that we just don't get swallowed up with disappointment. Yeah. And I think there there have been times certainly where students have come and talked to me about, you know, a friend that they have been spending a lot of time witnessing to or trying to get them in a church. Or maybe it's a friend that they grew up in church uh, that has, you know, let them down. And throughout the course of student ministry, you know, I really felt like there was a word that I could speak to them to help them out. And uh, recently, I feel like it's the same word that can be given to student ministers and student pastors to help in times of disappointment as well, because you feel like you invest all this time into students, you spend one-on-one time, you spend your own money, right. you, uh, <laughs> you know, you leave your family or Uh, leave things that you would prefer to do to pour into students' lives only for them to let you down. And we try to look back and think, man, if if I could have done more, they could still be in church. Or if I had done things differently, they they could still be living for God. Um, But my response to that would be, you know, we do not have the ability to save students spiritually. We, we, we just don't have that ability, uh, nor is it our responsibility for, stu- for us to save students. Right. We can't do that. Uh, we, we did not die on the cross, uh, I, I don't think. Um, we, we die on a lot of crosses, sure. I guess, <laughs> metaphorically, but you know, we're not the ones who died on the cross. That was God. Um, God is the one who can save but we are the ones who have the responsibility to create an environment and opportunity for them to experience and have salvation, but we ourselves cannot save that student. And I always pull out the example of the sower and the seed that we look in Matthew chapter 13, and the sower's responsibility was not to ensure that 
all of the seed that he sowed was fruitful or that, you know, a harvest came from all of that seed. But the responsibility that the sower had was to indiscriminately sow seed into all of the soil that he came into contact with. And we know the story that, you know, there was there was seed that fell on rocky ground. There was seed that fell on thorny ground. There was seed that was snatched up by birds. And there was seed that was sown on good soil and ended up bringing a great harvest. And there was seed that was sowed in soil that brought a great harvest, but there was also some failure of some seed as well. And we need to understand that it is it is not us who brings forth the growth. We can't bring forth the growth. We don't have the ability to, you know, make that happen. All we can do is indiscriminately sow the seed and to put equal effort into all different types of soil so that all have the ability to experience this great growth. And we are so quick to um, to take on the, resp- the sole responsibility when there's failure and to feel that in our spirit. Um, but we always give God the credit when there's great growth as right, well. Yeah. And not that it's God's fault that there's failures, but there is um, something else at work. There is another component uh, where we don't have control over. And sometimes we we take on that responsibility of why there was, quote-unquote, a failure, Mm -hmm. um, and that causes severe disappointment in our lives, uh, you know, not only in our student ministry, but day-to-day. And I think one thing that we need to be aware of is if we take on sole responsibility for the decisions that students have made because their soil's not right, their heart was not prepared enough for a myriad of reasons, but their soil was not prepared enough to where the seed that we have sowed could take root and produce something great. Um, And if we allow that disappointment to come and feel like we we caused that, that can leak into a lot of different things. Sure. And and I think, I mean, even looking, you look at God, who like ultimate father, right, creator of the universe— um, you know, probably would have been a really awesome youth pastor. Uh, but you look at God, his first two converts, Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. backslid, right? Like they made really bad decisions. And I think, again, you know, we don't look at God and say, wow, God was a failure because his first two children backslid. We look at God and say, no, he's still a, a, a great father. He's still the perfect father. But people make their own decisions. And I think it's important as student pastors, I, and I think that's the the danger in student ministry. Again, you know, you see all this growth, but you do have those disappointments, and um, not taking that on because what what that happens, what happens is you get seeds of resentment, you get seeds of bitterness. You start looking at, well, you know, I I spent so much time with so and so that I didn't get to spend time with my family, and that was a waste. Well, it it wasn't a waste, and I think it's it's very important that we are cautious that we don't allow those disappointments to come and and produce seeds of you know bitterness or resentment or uh, uh, looking to yourself saying you know I'm a failure as a student pastor because 
this one student, you know, made some poor decisions. And I think that's just really important for us to, to, you know, be cognizant of. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I feel like it can really leak into, you know, your personal life as well, you know, because if you begin to resent, you know, your ministry, then you begin to feel like you're failing at your purpose. Right. And, you know, if we've truly been called to student ministry and we feel like we are failing at that, you know, that has a personal effect as well. And that leaks, that would, that would begin to leak not only into our, the effect of our ministry, but it would leak into our relationships. Um, it would leak into if you're married, your marriage or how you parent. You know, it, it can have a waterfall effect, sure. you know, if you're not careful. And and I think that's why it's so important that we talk about this. You know, I think we spend a lot of time talking about students and their mental health, but also really talking about the leader. You know, there's a reason why when you get on an airplane, the flight attendant says, hey, if we lose cabin pressure, an oxygen mask is going to fall from the ceiling. Secure yours first and then secure that of your child or someone that needs help because I'm going to be of no help if I can't breathe trying to help my child on the airplane breathe. So at some point we do have to look and say, okay, I got to make sure that I am uh, right where I need to be, that I am dealing with my own stuff. Um, Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to fulfill the ministry that God has called me to because I'm dealing with my own stuff. And that student comes and they start sitting in an office and they just start unpacking and unloading on you. And if you don't have an avenue to deal with what you're struggling with, it's going to it's going to interfere in that relationship. So I think that's so important. Yeah. And, you know, again, we need to recognize and understand that, you know, the seed that we are sowing, it's good seed. Right. Yeah. You know, we have the truth. We have the power of God. We have all we have all the right seed. And so when something fails, it's not the seed's fault. And and you need to understand that. What what your efforts are, what you are doing, it, it's not the seed's fault. We have good seed, but sometimes the soil just is not right. You know, and, and you may look at a student and Maybe they came to your church through a P7 club or other means, and there was this, you know, a quick period of growth, but then all of a sudden they, you know, start making bad decisions sure. again and stop coming to church, and you're devastated. Well, it just happened that their soil was not the good soil. It was the thorny soil. That It was the shallow soil. There was quick growth, but it didn't last long, you know, um, and so back back to my point of indiscriminately sowing the seed, you know, one way to kind of, you know, if you if you could hedge your bets against being disappointed is I think it's important to make sure that you are giving equal effort into sowing the different types of soil. Because, you know, if you Allison and I have maybe a, a pitfall of rooting for the underdog a little too much. And, you know, we, we gravitate towards someone who might be the underdog, a student sure. who has a lot to overcome. We want that underdog story. And I think we all, as student pastors, want that to some extent. Um, but 
if we spend too much time with the underdog and, you know, that type of soil, then we've neglected to sow that same good seed into soil that is well prepared. Sure, yeah. And, you know, if if not to say that one is more or less important than the other, but if you're spending equal time and investment into those different types of soil, you know, don't spend too much time with the underdog, but you don't spend enough time with the almost guaranteed successful <laughs> right, student. Yeah. You know, and that successful student who's grown up in the church with a great family, a great background, you know, fifth generation, you know, Pentecost, uh, they deserve your time as much as the underdog, you know, and when you have that equal investment, then you're not going to be as disappointed when, you know, some student fails because you'll be able to look across on the other side of the road and see the seed that you sowed in good soil and see that harvest and that's going to help you know help that and so i guess our advice for this particular subject would be control what you can control right yeah you know uh do what you can do to improve the soil you know whether that's you know building relationships with parents to make sure that you and the parents are on the same page to where it's not just you trying to you know propel this student, you know, by themselves. Yeah. Uh, but if you have the parents working hard at home and and uh, tilling the soil at home as well, you know, that's going to bring more success and less disappointment. You know, make sure that you have, you know, text message exchanges with groups of students. I've got a text message with, you know, all my net guys students for the most part, and it's not structured. It's very random. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's ridiculous memes. You know, but it's just another another touch point, you know, investing in students by taking them to lunch or coffee or, you know, just that one on one time. And so, you know, control what you can control to try and help the soil, uh, you know, but understand that your responsibility is to sow the seed, to create the environment, to give them an opportunity um, for growth to happen. And the last thing that I'll, you know, add to this before we transition is, you know, the seed is enduring, you know, it, it, it can take a lot. It, you know, it's everlasting. You know, when you look at the word of God, it's always, it it, it is established. And so while you may sow the seed on rocky ground today and it fails, that seed is still there. It's resilient. And you never know when someone else or some other situation may come along and they may break up that ground enough to where that seed that you sowed a long time ago finally takes root. And we oftentimes focus on the failures of today and we don't recognize the opportunity that tomorrow might bring. Right. And just understand that while your seed may not have been fruitful in the moment that you sowed it, it's still there. It's still resilient. It's still good seed. But it might take some time for that soil to really be prepared enough for it to take root and for a great harvest to come from that seed. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, I think that's a great way to fight that disappointment. Um, you know, just looking at our lives and, and you know, spending so much time with um serious conversations and uh you know and that's part of ministry right like sitting down in the office counseling having serious conversations but 
you can also have fun. And it's important to make sure that's a great part about student ministry is, you know, you can have an altar call where you're praying students through the Holy Ghost. And then the next thing you know, you're at an after event hitting them with a dodgeball. Like, you know, both parts (laughs) are important. And really both parts are important to the mental health of the student worker is to make sure that, that, yeah, we're, you know, we understand the importance of the, of the job that we're doing, but also uh, student ministry is so much about relationship and it's about having positive interaction with your students. And the more you can do that, the little bit lighter you start to feel and, and the little bit uh, better you start to feel. Absolutely. Yeah. And and unfortunately, I think a lot of times when we experience disappointment or frustrations, you know, we have to, you know, inevitably we have to find a way where those frustrations uh, have to be dealt with by ourselves. Right. And um, unfortunately, there are platforms and easy avenues by which we can vent sure. and we can express our frustrations. And sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes it comes through in a sermon, you know, uh, right. which I don't know if that's <laughs> wise to do. <laughs> um, but all of us have a platform where people look and listen and watch. Sure. Yeah. And, and you know, and that's kind of the next topic is this idea of like, okay, so you're a frustrated student pastor or a student minister, and what do you do, right? You have all these, oh, you're, you're frustrated and you don't, you know, you're, maybe you're discouraged. Unfortunately, what we see now is um, people turning to these platforms, which is social media, right? So, you know, they hop on their Instagram live and they just start going, Right, because there's people on social media that are going to support them, and and it feels good. But he, the reality is, is like social media is not a very good therapist, <laughs> and right. unfortunately, uh, what we do see is that people kind of fall into that trap. The reality is, is that uh, venting and letting things off your chest is very cathartic, right? Like it, it's a release of those emotions that you have. And when you're done, it feels good. It's the same release that you get when someone cuts you off in traffic. It sometimes it just feels good to just lay on that horn, right? And um, it's cathartic. It's a release of the, those emotions. But when we do that on social media, uh, the the problem is is that because social media is not a great therapist, what what you would do in therapy would you would vent your emotions. You would talk about the struggles that you're having. You would talk about maybe some of those dark places that you've been. And then you would have a trained therapist who would reframe those, who would reflect on what you've said, right. who would maybe come against some of the, the negative thoughts that you're you're having and maybe point something else out and maybe point out some discrepancies or inconsistencies. And that's what social media doesn't do. Right. And I think it's important that we recognize that, that it is important to find people in your life as a student pastor that you can talk to, that you can vent to, that mm-hmm. you can uh, release some of these frustrations that you might have um, that isn't necessarily 
on your Instagram Live. And I'm not against uh, being vulnerable on social media. I think there's some people with really great social media ministries, and um, I support them in that. Uh, my social media, and it's kind of on purpose, is pretty shallow. Um, I'm not a good follow on social media. You're going to see pictures of my kids and an occasional funny meme or right. so. Uh, so, you know, you, don't worry about following me on social media. It might be a little boring, but um, that's on purpose um, because in, in my, I don't know, opinion, when you, when you begin to vent and when you begin to put those things out there on social media, your friends and maybe the, the people that are working with you or, or maybe people that are uh, in the same experiences, they're going to hear those things and they may support you and they may write some really good things. But you also may have a 13-year-old student who doesn't have the mental capacity to handle your stuff. Right. And they don't know what to do with your stuff. So now they have, you know, Allison's on there venting about life or the church or her family or whatever it may be. Now that 13-year-old has taken on my stuff. And and I think the real problem with that, you know, from a standpoint of ministry is if you have a student in your group and they do follow you on social media. Whether or not they follow you on social media, sure. they're creeping on you on social sure, media. Yeah. They're you know, so they're checking you out. Um, but if you're on there and you're, and it may be completely unrelated to church, sure. unrelated to student ministry, it may just be, you know what, uh, you know, we have twins and it's causing a, a complete havoc in our life. And, you know, you just caught us in a bad moment and sure. you flipped on Instagram live and talking about how, you know, terrible it is. Uh, it's, you know, they're phenomenal, but it's you get what I'm terrible. saying. But if a student sees that, they're going to think, well, if their life is so awful, if they've got so much stuff going on in the home, then I can't bring my problem right. into their life. You know, they're not accessible to me anymore. And so you venting on social media, it begins to diminish your effectiveness in ministry because if you're already too burdened, then that problem that, you know, is probably, you know, most times an in insignificant, dramatic problem in a, you know, 15-year-old girl's life, you know, they're going to feel like it's way too big of a sure. deal to bring to your table to where you have to deal with. And you have to make sure that your social media is, quite frankly, cleaned up sure. uh, so that students feel comfortable enough to come and to bring their, you know, junk, you know, right. into, into your office. And that's not to say that you, you shouldn't have avenues where you can vent. Um, you know, therapy is actually a pretty good thing. And maybe it's not in the form of a professional therapist, but it is important that you have, that you surround yourself with people who are going to be honest with you, who can uh, not judge you, uh, you know, who can kind of let you talk and then also point out, you know, keep it positive and, and, and help you out. One of the most interesting stories in the Bible is the story of Job. Um, and everyone gives Job's wife like a really bad rap, and I get it. But what I think we forget is this is Job's wife. So everything Job went, like sure. when Job lost his kids, his wife lost her kids too. Sure. And, you know, we see Job in a point where he has boils all over his body and he's scraping them off. And I mean, I couldn't imagine as a wife, you know, watching you suffer is, is a horrible thing for me. So Job's wife speaks up and says, hey, 
curse God and die. Like, just end it all, right? Like, let's just, it's not worth it. Let's end it. And she's in this very low point. And what Job responds to her is, you're talking like a foolish woman. Like, you are acting ridiculous right now. And he kind of checks her and says, we're not going to do that. We're not going to curse God and die. I'm going to check you because you're not acting how you normally act. Because, I mean, Job was a pretty good guy. I'm sure he married a pretty good woman. She just got to a really dark place in her life where she said, we're ready to end it all. Thankfully, she had Job who can look at her and say, no, we're not going to go there. And I think that's so important is to surround people Surround yourself with people or ministers or pastors or whoever it may be that when you get to a dark place, when you feel discouraged, when you feel upset, when when life is just uh, really holding you down, that they can look to you and say, no, we're not going to go there. Yeah. We're not going to go to those deep, dark places. We're not going to, uh, I'm not going to let you speak that negativity. We're going to trust God. We're going to pray about it. We're going to, we're going to do those things to help you because we're not going to let bitterness grow yeah. and we're not going to let resentment grow and we're not going to uh, get you. Um, I'm not going to allow you to stay in that place. And I think that's so important. And it, I think sometimes it's hard for us because we're the leaders to admit that we struggle. Sure. Um, but to find those people in your life that you can just really talk to and know that they're going to pick you up, that they're going to encourage you. You know, the Bible speaks a whole lot about counselors. He speaks a whole lot about uh, wise counsel. And if you find yourself, sometimes student ministry can be a lonely place. Um, it's, it's just really important that you take the time to find people that that can really uplift you and encourage you um, because you know that student ministry is, is not the end-all be-all right um, a lot of times really the reality of student ministry is as student ministers most of us are young um, we're maybe newly married having kids yeah. um, young families and that could be overwhelming yeah. and thankfully there are people that have already went through that that can help us kind of see that and help us follow um, the right path to take yeah. and I think you know uh, like you like you've said before you know you often talk and, and we just talked about it that you know uh, social media is a you know a bad environment for you know those types of conversations to take place because it does provide a platform that is very cathartic, you know, very therapeutic, that, you know, part of therapy or working through things, you know, is uh, is a lot of you talking about it. Sure. You know, but social media is absent of all of the things that you just talked about, that if done in the right environment, that there can be people who you know, can check you or can help you get your head on straight. You know, a therapist is trained by education and, you know, hopefully your situation is not bad enough to where you have to go see a therapist, but, you know, you might go to a pastor or you might go to, you know, student leaders who have done it, you know, a lot longer than you have, and they are trained through experience. And, you know, to have that environment where you can pour, you know, pour out your heart in that safe place and receive what you need uh, in a in order to work through those things. And I know, you know, you talked about, you know, online it's void of that, 
you know, constructive feedback and, you know, the things that you really need to work through that. And I think it's, like you said, it's, it is so important to make sure that, you know, uh, you do it in the right place. And, and you know, you, you may be in a position where you, you need profes- professional therapy and, and counseling, and, and that's okay. It's just recognizing where you're at and recognizing, um, you know, being able to admit, you know what, I need some help or I need to talk to somebody. Yeah. And you're, you know, we're not in an island, right? We don't, we're not all by ourselves. There are people that can help and that can encourage. And going back to that airplane model, I'm going to be a better student pastor if our marriage is better if our yeah. families if is functioning properly yeah. we're going to be better student pastors we're going to be able to to help parents we're going to be able to connect with students uh, my students don't want me grumpy at a youth event you know yeah. they they want me uplifting and happy and and I want to make sure that the the lessons we teach and the sermons that we preach are not not uh I don't know, tainted with maybe bitterness or resentment or, or whatever we have. And we just need to be careful for that and just make sure, you know, if there's anything I could kind of end this podcast with, like, check, do you have your oxygen mask on? Like yeah. before, you know, you have that student come into your office to talk, maybe take a self inventory of where are you at? Where are you at with your mental health? How are you feeling? Do you need some extra help? Do you need a conversation with someone? Do you need a someone to send you a really good meme to make right. you laugh or whatever that looks like? Um, but to make sure that your priorities are set up because you will be a much better student leader if you are fully, ox- you know, have your full oxygen on and um, really functioning in how God wants you to. Yeah, and 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 that that rest piece, that priority piece, is so important. Uh, I know, you know, we talked that if you look at God, you know, throughout creation, he himself, you know, took that Sabbath, you know, and that day of Sabbath is really meant for rest, reflection, and priority. And he built that into his own schedule, that it was so important. And, you know, to help your mental health, to help you and your spouse or your team to help deal with the you know frustrations or just the tiredness that can come sure. through student ministry you have to build into your schedule the sabbath a period of time where there's rest reflection and priority that things cannot interfere with you putting on your oxygen mask first you know, as a parent, it seems counterintuitive, uh, you know, to not put your child's mask on first. Sure. Uh, just recently, we took our kids on their first flight ever, and they went through the, you know, safety spiel, which I was very familiar with. And I sat there in that moment as a father and thought, I think I can, like, I could put Titus's oxygen mask on first. Like, sure, yeah. you know, Titus and Eli are right. Like, I can, I can do that real quick. But it's true. Like, if I pass out halfway, you know, in between you know, then all of us suffer, you know, so there has to be that time built in for the Sabbath for rest, reflection, and priorities. Absolutely. And, and again, you know, just uh, reminding yourself of why we're doing it. Uh, I love student ministry. It will always be a part of my heart, even when I'm not, you know, I don't know how long we'll stay in student ministry, but I, it will always be a part of me because I believe that that's what God called me to do. And, and just reflecting on that, that, you know what, this is a really good thing that we can do. Yeah. This is a thing from God, and um, it's a lot of fun, and it keeps me young, and I'm so thankful for that. And um, so just hopefully we can encourage a a young student minister or a young couple or student pastor that 
Um, you know, just uh, keep your priorities right. Uh, check yourself a little bit. Make sure that you're where uh, you need to be. And uh, don't let the discouragements hurt you. You know, yeah. don't don't get down about maybe some of the things you wish you could have done differently, but just kind of look at your successes. Look at what God has done. And uh, it's a great time to be in student ministry. Yeah. And and uh, I, I want to, you know, commend and, and, and give thanks to Preston and Sadie for, you know, allowing us to be on, on with you guys. And uh, thanks to Rush for, you know, turning the podcast over to us. Uh, you know, but it's important stuff. And uh, we are happy that we have you know the ability to you know and have a platform to have a voice to help with this and you know we're really old you know Allison is now five years older than I am uh, in this moment until June and then I'm only four <laughs> years older but um, you know but we're kind of moving into that phase to where like we can help you know if if we possibly can and so we're accessible to anybody at any time and if anybody out there is going through something and, and they need to know an answer to a question, whether it pertains to a student or maybe their own personal struggles that they're going through in ministry, you know, Allison and I would love the opportunity to, you know, talk with you and, and help help you through that stuff because, you know, because we're really old, we, we are trained professionally with Allison, you know, and experience both of us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're thankful that we're able to help any way that we can and kudos to Preston and Sadie for recognizing the importance of mental health, uh, both for our students and for ourselves, and giving us the time today to talk to you guys about it. Thank you so much for listening to the Rush Student Ministry Podcast. If you want to join the team, leave a rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice. That helps us so much. I'm Preston. And I'm Sadie. And And we'll we'll catch catch you next time on the Rush Student Student Ministry Ministry Podcast. Podcast.